Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the System.io podcast with me, Natasha Pinto. So today our guest is Adam Rosen. He's a sales-focused entrepreneur, digital marketing consultant, business coach, and the founder of the Email Outreach Company. Welcome, Adam. Thank you, Natasha. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to be here. Oh, we're excited to have you in here, and I'm so keen to pick your brain about all things email marketing. But before we get into that, can you give us a brief history of how you got to where you are today? Is this the path that you wanted to go on when you just got fresh out of school, or did you have more of a, a bumpy road? I would say probably everybody has their own version of a bumpy road, but for me, I never held a true nine-to-five job. So I did some internships in school that... I guess we're more like a nine to five, but I ended up starting what ended up being my first company three weeks before I graduated from school. So I did a one-year MBA. Uh, basically, I, I started a entrepreneur program at my university my senior year. It went well. They said, hey, Adam, can you join us for one more year, get a, an MBA and continue re- uh, leading this program? I did that. That's where I met my original two co-founders. And uh, we decided to start what ended up being our first company. Like I said, about three weeks before I graduated, we did that for about five years. We were acquired back in 2019. The basic premise of the platform was focused on college student organizations, primarily in the US. So we had about 100,000 student organizations on our technology. Then on the other side, we sold to employers like Bank of America, Amazon, AT&T. They were our customers. They wanted to recruit our students and they wanted to get data on our students. So that's kind of how the technology platform worked. Oh, it's really cool. Um, and I think there's a move in, I suppose, the generations of today to actually take that path, to not go the traditional nine to five desk job route. And now they're more interested in doing their own thing from the start because they've seen how their parents, grandparents have gone through everything. So, yeah, it's truly an inspiring story. Um, so then can you give us also a little bit of a ballpark figure and a comparison between how you did that first month when you started that program versus what you're doing now and how much you're making at it. Yeah, for sure. It, it probably makes sense for me to take another quick step back and then I'll answer that question. So we did that company for about five years and we did have an exit, but I always like to share. And I do a lot of coaching and working with startups, entrepreneurs, small businesses. And one of the, my biggest beefs with the startup world is I feel like we over-glamorize things. And same thing with, with starting digital marketing companies. All this stuff is we want to flex on social media, pretend like we're doing all these great things that we may or may not actually be doing. So I always like to be overly transparent with all of the stuff that went into building my tech startup. So people think that when I say acquired, that I moved out to Hawaii, which I, I technically did, but they assumed I moved out there, was retired, drinking Mai Tais every day, you know, retired at 26, 27, 28 years old. That was not the case. We were acquired, but it was more of an acquisition of, hey, we want to make sure our customers end up in a good place, our students end up in a good place, we get as much money back to our investors as possible, and we can move on to that next thing. So I always like to be clear about that. So anyway, for the past few years, I've been advising a lot of startups. And one of the tech startups I've been advising about a year ago said, hey, Adam, our uh, head of sales is really struggling to get sales meetings booked on her calendar. Do you mind talking to her? I talked to her. I found out what the issue was. I went back to their CEO. I said, hey, Pete, um, I know what the problem is. I can help you. Let me know if you want me to do that for you. He said yes. And I called on my business partner and we built out the email outreach company, which started as a side hustle. And for us, while our biggest problem with our tech company is we never got to product market fit, which is so important for any business, especially if you're a tech SaaS business. So we weren't great at that. 
But what we were great at was getting big customers and how we got all of our customers was through cold email outreach, which people will say, hey, cold email doesn't work. Well, yeah, you're right. It does not work if you don't know what you're doing, but we were forced to learn uh, what we were doing. So that's a long-winded way of getting to when we first started, uh, our first prices were, hey, we don't really know what to charge. What do we charge? So it was like, let's just charge $500 a month to manage this and let's add commission on top of that. So when they close a the deal, we get a piece of that deal. Now, as time has gone on, we realized how grossly undercharging we were. And, you know, and now we're getting much, much, much more money um, from companies um, now that we've been able to build out a system that works. So we started at about $500 a month. And now there's a lot of companies that are paying us four or $5,000 a month or more on top of that to do the same stuff that we were started doing about a year ago. That's an incredible growth. And I think underpricing yourself is something that lots of people struggle with when they start because you kind of get started in this industry. You don't have any experience to back yourself up and you think, okay, well, what should I charge? Probably quite a little bit so that I can get more customers at the beginning. And then getting to that point where you can give yourself a raise is really important. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and for us, the biggest thing was not about, hey, we want to make as much money as possible. Again, our biggest learning, I think this is advice, this is advice for any entrepreneur. Again, I, I teach classes every Tuesday night. They're an amazing company based in the US that helps small business owners called Eureka. Um, amazing company, love them. And no matter what the business is that I'm coaching, I always talk about, you have to focus on product market fit. If you fail to get to product market fit, you're going to feel like you're trying to clog holes in a leaky bucket. You got to get to product market fit. And that's been our focus from day. And what we found is that all of our customers not only want to renew, but they want to give us more money. Why? Because we're providing more value. So that's why product market fit. I don't care who's listening to this, what business you have, product market fit. That should be focus number one. Definitely. Um, I completely agree with you. And now I want to dig in a little bit into your specific skills. So can you talk to us a bit about cold emailing um, and why it shouldn't be such an unattractive technique? Because like you said, people think, ah, cold emailing doesn't work and it's hard and it's painful and it feels awkward. So what is it and how do you do it the right way? Yeah, that's a great question. So if you think about any marketing avenue, if you look at a Facebook ad online and you read the comments, 80% of the comments are going to be negative, trying to, they're upset with whatever that advertisement was. You look at a billboard. Most people that drive by a billboard are going to, you know, say that billboard sucks. I hate that billboard. That person's annoying. You see a commercial, like any of these advertising avenues, there's 10 people tend to not be super happy about it. Um, so that's number one. And people get turned off by cold email for whatever reason. Um, but I think the main reason for it is because most people, frankly, don't know what they're doing. And what do I mean by they don't know what they're doing? When we get a, an email that number one shouldn't even come to us, that's frustrating. So it's an untargeted email. That's frustrating. Number two, when you think I'm going to read a cold email that's three, four, five paragraphs long, that's annoying. When you don't tell me why you're emailing me, what's the problem that you solved? What's the solution? Why should it matter to me? That's annoying. So little things like that, a lot of people avoid it because of that cold email is annoying. Versus if you take the opposite route, if you keep things short and sweet and to the point, that's appealing. If you reach out to people that are appropriate for the type of outreach you're doing, that's appealing. When you make things simple and actionable and focused on why you're emailing them and how you could be a solution to a potential problem they have, that's appealing. So if you do it the right way, people will respect it and they might not be interested, but they'll say, no, I'm not interested. 
but they're not going to say, hey, you know, F you, stop emailing me. Yeah. And you definitely want them kind of to say, okay, cool. No, I'm not interested. I don't want this rather than them marking you immediately as spam and then ruining your ability to email anyone else. Um, so then speaking about cold emailing, how do you reach out to those people that you don't necessarily know who aren't yet on your emailing list? Where do you find them? Uh, so we have a team that does an amazing job of, we send them, hey, here's the type of comp companies that we want you to uh, find for us. So let's just say like in the US-based Fortune 1000 companies or companies that have over 5,000 employees. Then we'll say, here's the type of roles we want you to find. Maybe it's talent acquisition, maybe it's sales, directors above, maybe it's chief executive officers, whatever that title might be. And then they do a great job of not only finding the contacts, but doing a lot of scrubbing of those contacts to make sure that they're good, clean emails that aren't going to bounce when we do our outreach. That's an excellent way to go about it. And I think when they're also doing that scrubbing of it, they can give you a bit more detail about who you're actually emailing, making sure that it is the right person mm -hmm. and you're not reaching out to someone who's going to be have zero interest in what you're saying to them. Exactly, exactly. All right. And then... Now to talk a little bit more about your startups and how you work with people who are starting small businesses. So what do you suggest for people who are interested in starting their own business, but they have no idea where to get the idea of it from? It's a great question. I do think part of it is we're always trying to think of that genius idea. We spend so much time like, what's that idea? What's that big, you know, billion dollar idea? What's the next Facebook? What's the next Instagram? What's the next this or that? The wrong way to approach it. First of all, starting a business is so much about testing and pivoting. If I look back to my tech startup, we started by touring colleges in the Boston area, basically as public speakers. We were essentially motivational speakers speaking to student organizations at colleges and universities in Boston. That's how we started. Throughout that time, we realized there's a gap between student organizations and companies. That's when we said, hey, what if we connected the two? Then we said, what if we created a technology behind it? That's when we raised money, we built our first technology, and then the company evolved over those next four years, year in and year out, month in and month out. So it's a constant testing and pivoting time. So that's number one is don't focus so much on what's that genius idea. Focus on what are the things that, number one, you enjoy doing, and number two, you're good at doing, that you can add value with. Because creating businesses is all about value. And if you're able to create value, people are going to want to give you money. And if one person wants to give you money and they want to give you money over and over and over again, that means a second and a third and a fifth person will probably want to give you money over and over and over again. But it's what do you enjoy doing and what are you good at? What can you add value with? And then the ideas, the business will come after that. Yeah, and I think it's also really important for you to kind of look for that gap where you can see there's a missing link, a missing connection, somewhere where you can add value to solve a problem or fix an issue that's around you. And I think the fact that you sort of did like a kind of market research beforehand where you were actively interacting with your target audience or at least part of them mm -hmm. kind of gave you that head start and like leg up on everyone else. Yeah. And it, with my email business, it, it's again, started as a side hustle. It was, I just had a conversation. I called my business partner. I said, let's build something for them. They need it. That's how it started. And then it was another company said, Hey, can you do this for us? Another one? Can you do this for us? Can you do this for us? And then we're like, hold up. We'll, we'll work with you in the future potentially. But what we want to make sure first is that our current customers are head over heels in love with us first. So yeah, don't overthink it. Also, don't do too much market research either. Like the best market research is, hey, is someone willing to give me money for this? And then are they willing to give me money again and again and again? And that's the best market research anyone can do. 
yeah, to already have it started, because I think sometimes people can kind of get stuck in that mode of, I'm just going to keep researching, finding out more stuff, more stuff, and they dig themselves into a hole where they can't actually start, because now they've discovered all these things that say no. Um, yeah, definitely. And now I want to talk to you about how you coach small businesses. So there's three main areas of focus that you help them with, which is strategy, customer ac acquisition, and finance fundamentals. Now, I really want to dig into that third one. Um, because what do you teach? I think finance fundamentals are grossly undervalued. And uh, I'm a former teacher myself. I used to teach high school students for seven years. And one of the things I realized is that while they have all this access to technology and they're quite tech savvy and they can make TikTok videos mm -hmm. and edit things and do amazing stuff, they also have no idea how much a cell phone contract costs or what taxes right. are or other important things that they do need to know about. So what do you teach? Yeah, great question. So first of all, I give credit through, this is a company that I got connected to a couple of years ago. For anyone who watches Shark Tank, you probably know Mr. Wonderful. So he's heavily involved with this company. Early Facebook team members started this company. Amazing group of uh, leaders, founders, as well as folks that are running this company, Eureka, U-R-E-E-K-A. So I got connected to them about two got connected to them about two years ago, and I've been coaching their programs that they created. So first, to your point, I think it's borderline criminal that we don't teach young people the basics. Like why, I'm always so frustrated. I'm like, why are we learning the Pythagorean theorem? Why is every student learning the Pythagorean theorem or about ancient Mesopotamia and we're not learning about how to do your taxes? We're not learning about the basics of finance. Why are we not learning these tangible skills that everybody needs to learn? Who's actually using the Pythagorean theorem in life? So that I think is like borderline criminal that schools don't teach that. So that's number one, got to get that off my chest. Uh, but then number two, in terms of like what I specifically teach, Eureka's done a great job of curating this content that's valuable. So for example, I had a class last night. I talked all about um, things about margins. So what are the margins on your products? All the way to what's your cost of acquiring a customer? What's the lifetime value of a customer? Then we dive deeper into how to measure ROI, how to measure your marketing ROI. Then we'd look at the different ways of raising money and should you raise money? So those are the types of things that we dive into. I was having, I was telling this story last night, my tech startup, the biggest contract we ever got was a hundred thousand dollar contract for a one year deal. And we ended up getting two of those. And the second $100,000 deal we got, super pumped. Wow, this could be game changing for us, a lot of money. And this could be a great way for us to raise substantial capital because companies will see, hey, they're getting a six-figure contract. That was a, you know, a big deal. So I remember one day my business partner called me and said, hey, Adam, I just want to let you know I canceled the contract with this company for $100,000. I'm like, haha, yeah, funny joke. Like, come on, seriously, what's going on? He said, no, I canceled the deal. And I was not too happy. So we had a, we met in a conference room shortly thereafter, and he explained why he did it. And he was absolutely right. And the reason why he was right is because the numbers, the finances, the structure was not in our favor, where we were going to either be taking a loss or almost taking a loss on that $100,000 deal, let alone all the time that would go into that. That was a basic financial structure that we didn't do a good job of ahead of time that we then had to cancel the contract to make sure that we weren't over-promising and under-delivering. So that's just a simple way of knowing your, the basics of finance that some business owners are not looking at that we all need to be looking at. Definitely. And then is there a really big mistake that you see happening amongst many small businesses when it comes to their finances? Like something that you see that is super common and really shouldn't happen. And how can people avoid that? 
yeah, it's neglect. It's simply neglect. Um, even for us, we, we had a great team with our tech startup, um, a CFO and a controller, people that were really involved with their finances. But as my business partner and I decided to sell the company, that's when we dug deep into our finances. And we saw there was so much waste that we had each month that was adding up. You know, whether it was $17 a month or $75 a month or $365 a month of just little expenses that weren't worthwhile. So we just began cutting and cutting and cutting. And at that time, we created what we do every week now, every Friday, we call it Finance Friday, where we go through these key pillars of running our businesses. And we go through each little piece of it. And because of that, we're much more on top of our finances now um, than we used to be. So very simply, it's just neglect, because I think as business owners, we deprioritize it and we think it's more complicated than it actually is. Yeah, definitely. And I kind of, I really like that idea of making it a weekly thing so that you can't avoid it. You know when it's happening and you know, it's okay, Friday, I have to go through this, this, and this, and this, and then when it's done, it's done. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I think people do overcomplicate it and it shouldn't be so difficult. <laughs> right. All right. And now to talk a little bit about being a speaker for and co-founder of Work with Gen Z and entrepreneurship for Gen Z. So what made this generation stand out for you and how do you continue to connect to it? Because obviously you sort of started it when you were part of the generation and the people who are looking for that connection between college graduates and getting that really awesome job right out of college. But how do you continue to connect with them now? Yeah, another great question. So it all started because we were just working with these students. So we, we got the front row seat at what their problems were. I was having several, when I say several conversations, like that was my main focus with a tech company. There was one day I had 40 phone calls with student club leaders, student organization leaders, literally from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. It was 15 minute calls nonstop. It broke my record of like most calls in a day. So that, that, that was the type of front row seat we had to this generation. And we just saw how different they are um, from previous generations, like every generation is, because we all grow up in a different way, in a different culture, different environments, different major events happening, et cetera, et cetera. Then we started to do a lot of surveying through our platform. So we got a lot of really interesting data on Gen Zers and the future of work. So that was a natural fit into us uh, getting invited to do uh, talks at conferences, speaking to corporate clients. And now when we do it, it's on a much less frequent basis. It's really just when people are out to us and have it. So we do, you know, maybe one every few months or so. That's typically what we do. We try to stay away from it more. We have another partner that works with us um, that is in that generation that does a great job and we feed her a lot of our data and we've done a lot of training with her. So she does a lot of those talks now for us. So we try to stay away from it more as we try to prioritize email outreach companies, some of the other things that we're focused on now, but we still do it. We still keep a look at the trends. We still keep a look at fresh data and we still have such unique data from our time running the company as well. So we do it, but we try to stay away from it more than we used to. Okay. And I have a bit of a controversial question for you because I know what my opinion on this is. And I think it's biased because I did go to university and do everything so do you think a college education is necessary for becoming a, a founder for starting your own business for going that route or do you think you can get away without one I mean I 100% think there's no reason to get a college education it doesn't mean it's a bad thing I think if you want to do it great I'm the reason I'm happy I got it was because I met my business partner <laughs> <laughs> I never would have met him if I didn't do it. And there was other obviously great people I met at school and all that. But am I really taking just about anything I learned from college? No. My advisor, when I started that that 
entrepreneur program, that was another person that was instrumental for me. But other than that, no, I think if you want to be a founder and entrepreneur, there's college is unnecessary. And frankly, in a lot of ways, high school, I think can be unnecessary too. Um, I think learning how to learn is much more important. I think school teaches you how to study and memorize and prepare, but it really what we should be learning is how to learn. If you could learn how to learn and you have that desire to learn, everything we want to learn is on YouTube, is on Google, is anywhere on the internet. You don't have to go to a classroom and learn about Pythagorean theorem if that's not what interests you. Yeah, totally. Um, having studied education as well, because I have a few ridiculous degrees under my belt, um, there are all of these new ways of educating and they're doing some amazing experimental stuff across the um, across the globe where they do kind of like problem-based learning and they're like okay cool you want to learn how to play a musical instrument in music class here's the instrument goodbye work it out and that makes so yeah. much more sense to me like trial and error learning through problem solving finding stuff on youtube and educating yourself because what i do now has nothing to do with what i studied i've got an honors in dramatic arts of all things and a degree in yep. teaching as well so and now I'm a content writer and podcast host and some of the stuff I learn is useful but I think sure I've learned so much more on the job and from I don't know self-based learning so yeah I think a formal education is no longer necessary yeah when you have the desire like you clearly have you're going to continue to connect the dots you'll always find a dot to connect Education, what they prepare you for is not to be an entrepreneur. Education prepares you in some ways for the workforce, in some ways where you just, you go a traditional route. But if you're an entrepreneur, like for me, there was a reason why I can never pay attention to class. There's a reason why I was always getting in a bunch of trouble. Like, obviously that's my fault. That's on me. But I probably had an entrepreneur bug in me my whole life, but I would got put down the same path that everyone else got put down. Um, so I love, I love, I love how so many, now there are so many different options or there's a hell of a lot more options today than when I was in high school, 12, 13 years ago, whenever that was, um, where you, it was really just a traditional path. Now there's a lot of untraditional paths that you can take if, you know, being a traditional student is not the right fit for you. Yeah, I think it's uh, very important. And we've got more and more of those uh, non-traditional students who don't really fit the mold of what we're aiming for. And yeah, what we need, like our future businesses, the future leaders that we're after are not the ones that will fit that traditional mold anyway, because the world is changing so much. Mm -hmm. And now onto one of the biggest changes. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about social media and business. So is it worth the hype? Do you need to lean into social media when you're starting a business? I mean, I'm probably the wrong person to ask, depending on what the, what the answer everybody wants to get is like, I'm not big into social media. I have my own Instagram. Um, I do a little bit on that, but on LinkedIn, I'm not super active. So I think social media, if you can do it right, if you know how to do it, if you love doing that, if you can work with someone who can help you with that, um, I think it could be a huge asset. I mean, listen, if you have 50,000 engaged followers, like that's a huge market to sell to. That's a huge market to build your brand. So I think it's a great thing if you know how to do it. I don't really know how to do it. I don't like to do it. Everybody that I've spoken to about helping me build my Instagram presence, none of them felt authentic. None of them felt genuine. None of them felt real to me. So I didn't do it. So I think if you're someone that is in that space that can do it in an authentic way without buying followers and doing all that other crap, I think there's a huge opportunity for it because I, I don't think you need to have a social media presence, but it sure as hell helps. So I think if you can have it, it's a great thing. Yeah, definitely. If it's something that works for you and that you're comfortable with doing, I agree hundred percent, lean into it, use it, work with it, make it the main source of where you get your audience. But 
it can be quite difficult to like force it as you said it doesn't feel genuine if you're trying really really hard to work with a platform that a doesn't make sense for your audience and b doesn't feel natural to you as well right yeah because you have to be consistent and if you're not able to be consistent with it, it's not going to go anywhere anyway. And that's, that is part of why I like cold email. It's like, you don't have to do, you don't have to have the, the sexiest Instagram page or sexiest website or any of that stuff. It's like, if you have your, your point, you can get short and sweet, you can get on a phone call and it's very direct and you can reach anybody you want through it where there is just, I mean, in every avenue, email, there's a lot of noise, Instagram ads, there's a lot of noise, building an Instagram page or a TikTok page or anything, there's a lot of noise. So there's noise anywhere. That's why you just have to figure out the unique way to cut through that noise. Yeah, definitely. And then my last big question for you is what does the future look like for you? So do you have a medium or a long-term goal that you're looking towards? I always look at different businesses that I've had as like, as different chapters. I look at my tech company as one chapter and one big learning that we had. Then I had that media, the middle chapter before starting this email company as another chapter. Now the big chapter for us is uh, can my business partner and I, with our team, with the great help of our team, can we build an online business where we could do it from anywhere in the world? Because right now we're, my business partner and I, we're in very, he's in Italy right now. I'm in Texas. We're going over to uh, Israel in uh, next month. Then we're going to Europe for the remainder of the summer. And we just want to keep traveling. And we want to do this all virtual and have a completely virtual team. So the challenge for ourselves is can we build the systems necessary to allow ourselves to scale and grow this business to become a su substantial business where we're able to travel the world, enjoy these different cultures, meet amazing people, and just enjoy life as we do it. So that's the next big chapter that I'm hoping to build through this email outreach company. And then we'll see what comes next. I think it's a fantastic goal. And it's kind of the dream for everyone, right? To kind of be free from geographic ties, the tie of the desk, tie of time. So yeah, definitely worth running after. And now some short questions. So looking back, what advice would you give your 18 year old self? Learn sales as quickly as possible. That is a good one. I think that's an underrated skill. And if you can get started on it quickly, then you're onto a winning streak. Um, my second big question is, is there a book or a podcast or even just a resource that you could recommend to college students that want to start their own business to kind of give them that inspirational first step? Yep. Great question. So I always, one of the things that we didn't do a great job of in my tech company was building to sell it soon enough. And because of that, we didn't have the acquisition that we were hoping we would have. My advice to any company, I don't care if you have an accounting firm, if you're building a tech company, an online business, it does not matter. You must build that company to sell it. If you build that company and sell it, either that means you can scale that company as much as you want, you can keep it as a side hustle if you like, or three, you can sell it. All three of those are tremendous options to have. So you have to build to sell. One of my favorite books I got recommended from one of my mentors and good friend of mine was a book called Built to Sell, B-U-I-L-T, to Sell. Easy read. It's a fictional book about a real life scenario. And the whole point is how do you create the systems to create your business to become a sellable asset? And it can work for any business. I don't care what business. So that would be my number one advice for anyone that's just starting out. You want to be an entrepreneur, learn how to build to sell. If you do that, your life as an entrepreneur is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, excellent. Okay. I'm definitely going to have a look at that myself as well. And then my final question for you is where can our listeners find you? If you give me your tags, say them out loud, I will put them in our description. Awesome. Yeah. So on Instagram, that's where I'm most active for social media. You can find me at Adam I. Rosen, R-O-S-E-N. You can uh, find, out, uh, find out more about what we do with our email company at eocworks.com. So eocworks.com. 
And uh, my email is adam at eocworks.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn too, if you like. It's linkedin.com backslash in backslash Adam I. Rosen. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much, Adam, for joining me today and giving me your time. And thank you to our listeners today. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to this on a podcasting app, subscribe to the System podcast so that you never miss an episode. System.io is a digital marketing software platform packed with all the tools to run your online business.